Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Red Poet Podcast. I'm your host, Les Lawson, and tonight I'm joined by Tommy Keegan and Pete Warburton. You just stuck with the three of us tonight. Tonight we'll be asking the question, will Mohamed Stale stay or go? Is the bid too late, and is there a price that the Saudi Arabians will offer that Liverpool just couldn't refuse, or is it too late in the window now to get a replacement? Also, Peter's back with his double agents. Um, and how many players do you think have played for both Liverpool and Newcastle who've won European Cups, so Champions League winners' medals with Liverpool? We'll preview the game against Newcastle at the weekend and also have a general discussion about transfers. So a busy hour or so ahead. So we'll start with the question. Late this afternoon, Ormstein broke the news that there was serious interest in Mo Salah from PIF clubs in Saudi Arabia and they were willing to make him the highest paid player in the world and also offer Liverpool a fee of £150 million plus. So we'll start with you on this one, Tom. What What's your view on, on the bid? Do you think Liverpool will accept the bid? Do you think that it's too late in the window or is there a price that, that even this late in the window you just couldn't turn down? No, I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think Liverpool have accepted a bid at this stage of, of, this, of preparation. Les, no, I'd be. I'd be surprised. We've said over the last couple of weeks, and we 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 think this is probably going to be Mo's last season anyhow. But I, I I couldn't see. I couldn't see Liverpool accepting, and then we're stuck then trying to find the replacements, well as well as you know for up front as well as as. On midfield, I just think it and the preparation. I think what it would do to the preparation of the season. It's all. It's already we're already a little bit behind, but like you feel that if Mo is allowed to go, what damage it would do to the morale of the club. So I, I'd be, I'd be amazed, absolutely amazed, if if he took the took the bit seriously. Pete, what do you think? Do you think that? I mean, Liverpool have come out and said that you know they're not not prepared to negotiate um, with any club for the for the transfer of Mo Salah. But do you think that there's that you know a price comes in where they just look at it and think two years on his contract, thirty-two years of age, that is just eye water and money, and we just can't can't say no, especially if Mo approached. You know, maybe Jürgen has said, look, Jürgen, you know, I'm really interested in taking up this offer because it'd just I'd just be able to do so much with the salary they're offering and for the for the for for the people in the village where where it was brought up. Um mm-hmm. so what what do you what do you Pete? I, I just hope Liverpool do stonewall it and maybe you know it gets readdressed next summer. But we were talking in work this afternoon about this and you hit the nail on the head then. Mo Salah's, you know, a pretty rich man anyway. And any money that he can earn now, over and above what he's getting at Liverpool, and he's literally, you know, he's probably our highest paid player anyway at the minute. But he's not, if he did go to Saudi, he would invest that money as Sadio Mane does back home in, in his in his village. You know, I think Sadio Mane has been documented that he's built hospitals and schools and that. And that might be the only thing that maybe might sway Mo to think, God, what could I do with this money? 
Um, I'm hoping Liverpool rebuff any any approaches because we've seen the difficulties in letting people go, such as um, you know, sort of Fabinho and Henderson in quick succession, and then we with failed bids uh, for Caicedo and, and for um, Lavia. So unless, which is a big, big, unless unless they've got a somebody lined up that can replace Mo Salah before the window shuts. I would say that they'd rebuff it, but money does talk. Uh, it's a lot of money, as you say, for a 32-year-old. And from his side, as I say, he can look and think, God, what can I do with this wealth? You know, I can I can give most of it back to, you know, where I was brought up in Egypt. Um, I just think the timing, the timing's wrong, certainly for Liverpool. You know, maybe if this had happened three or four weeks ago prior to the season starting, it might have had legs, but we we got we got it wrong over Kite, though we were convinced that despite Chelsea's uh, interjection sort of thing that he was still going to come to Liverpool and Lavier as well. So we've had it wrong in the past, and you you just don't know where it goes. But I'd be bitterly disappointed if he left this summer. Like Tom said, I'd probably agree that next summer is the is the time for him to go when he's still got twelve months of his contract, and you know we can. We can scout around and, and bring a, a decent replacement in. But in fairness, you're never going to replace Mo, like for like. He's just unique, you know. So, uh, yeah, it, it'd be interesting. But it's not a nice thing to hear so us on the eve of a big game at Newcastle, you know. Tom, just playing a little bit of a devil's advocate here with you. Just say, for example, you mentioned it before when, when, when you spoke first. And you said it's it, it's crazy how, how there seems to be a money no object with these Saudi clubs. And because there's two PIF clubs supposedly interested in signing Mo and it will create a bidding war. What if the bidding reached something like 250 million quid? Oh, you know, know, and that, 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 that is, you know, and I'm just throwing, I'm not saying it will, I'm just throwing. An imaginary figure out there that would be weighing above, you know, a, a world record fee for somebody of the age of thirty-two. What would, what do you think, or what would, what would you do? What do you think the club would do if, if that sort of offer, you know, what I mean? You think about it. I mean, a hundred million. You think about it is, is not really. It's not really gonna even tempt Liverpool because when you're thinking that maybe someone like the Core from Crystal Palace, you know, they're talking about, you know, eighty million, ninety million, seventy million, whatever it may be, for a player who's probably worth forty million. You know what I mean? You'd be going into other clubs offering them hundred million for players who aren't even fitter to lace Mo Salah's boots. So so it would have to be somewhere at Extra, you know, extra add an extra sphere, so to speak, in terms of monetary offer. So, what would you think? 250, 270 plus? What, 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 what sort of figure do you think that it would make Liverpool just sort of turn around and say, Wow, you know, the, the, we just couldn't turn down that money? You, you, you never know with, with, with the owners, Leslie. They'll have a figure in their mind, wouldn't they? I, I would imagine. We've said it on, on numerous occasions, haven't we? Been like, it doesn't matter who the player is. Every player's got a price, a certain price. 
And if that price comes up and then the club feel that it's it's lunacy to turn it down and that the player indicates that he wants to go, then then I suppose then but I, I couldn't I can't imagine even even if there was two clubs involved which which we don't we don't really know because it it's all Steam who's broke broke the story, isn't it? It's like we don't know it's if, if, if it's even true. But if if it is and there's two clubs involved and then but I just think of it from from yeah, from a a monetary point of view, everybody's got a price. And then as you say, it's then you'd have to, I think then you'd have to buy abroad because the prices for English players or British players is just insanity. It's just they're just it's just crazy money. You, you know, like the core the core who's a good player, really good player. I would like the core to come, but you know, he's not worth 18, 19 million pounds of anybody's money, you know, right? But again, it's it it it, it seems to be because of what's happened during this crazy summer of like Saudi Arabian money being thrown about everywhere. It the prices have just gone crazy, haven't they? So mm. who who knows? I, I genuinely don't know. I, I reckon FSG would have a price. If, 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 if you were if you know letting you forget about our wearing our rose tinted glasses here and, and you know our love for Liverpool and our love for Mo Salah. Just thinking it purely you know, if 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 you got a phone call from Jürgen and so I said, Look, Tom, they've just been on the phone, they're willing to pay two hundred and fifty million for Mal. Um, yeah, what what do you think we should do? Did you what, think what, 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 what would you do? I'm asking you, you would you do? What would you would you say? I, I would ask Les, I would ask is that money gonna be reinvested in the squad? That would yeah, be sure, question. I'm sure it would be. I'm but sure it again, would be. But then again, but, because of market forces, everyone knows Liverpool have got a big fat Wallace. And like yeah. Tom said, you've got, that, you've got 40, 50 million pound players being quoted double the price because we're after them. See, so, so just say for example, just say for example that did happen. And, you know, you went in the knocked on West Ham's door, say for Jared Bowen. Right. You probably, and this is what I was saying to Tom before, if you got a hundred million pounds for Mo, West Ham would probably ask 80, 90, 100 million for Jared Bowen. You know he's, what not, I mean? he's not knowing the, the, the exactly. Class. Yeah, exactly. But that's it's what fu- I'm saying. It's funny though, Les. It's funny, there's been speculation, hasn't it? What's the the, the young lad? Is it from, from France? Bakayoko, Johan Bakayoko. Yeah, all of, yeah. From PSV. Yeah, all the talk, all the talk about him, or, or you know, for the last couple of weeks, and um, we 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 get him because there's a release clause apparently, is there something? I don't think there's a release clause for him. He's only he's, yeah, he's twenty odd, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Unless said, you well, you're, not thinking, you're not thinking of the other lad, are you, Barcola? No, not Barcola. No, no. Yeah, back a Yoko plays yeah. with. I watched him the other night against against Rangers. Looked looked okay for a twenty year old. Um, looked, I didn't think he was as explosive as a Ben Doak, for example. Yeah. But looked 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 a decent player and a decent prospect. 
I think you'd need somebody who is used to playing at a you know in, at a higher level. He's one for the for the future. And the only one, the only one that come to my mind who plays on that position, not in the same class, but would get your goals in the Premier League, maybe not to the extent what what Mo does, because not many do. But that's why I mentioned Jared Bowen, and I was just using that as an example. Yeah. Just to see the, the, you know, what 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 would happen if Liverpool sort of sold? I mean, the fees they mentioned originally, eighty million euros, hundred million euros, absolutely wouldn't buy Mo Salah's right leg. You know what no. I mean? Even a thirty-two-year-old. But that's why I was sort of asking before in terms of a discussion points. You know, at what point? Because as I say. These sorts of Saudis have got have got money to burn. You know what I mean? They you know if they if they handed over, you know, 250, 200 million, 275 million, even three hundred million, whatever for a footballer, whoever it may be, it just doesn't it just doesn't touch the sides. I mean, there was a there was a story, wasn't it, earlier in the summer when Mbappe was having was having problems at PSG and one club come in and said they buy him for, for like 175 million and then let him go to Real Madrid for free mm. at the end yeah. of the season if he go there. And that yeah. just shows the lengths that they would go. So and that's what I was saying before. If there was two of them involved, which 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 reports are sort of indicating if you know, because he's the you know, in, in sort of that that part of the world, he's he's the he's the one player they really want. You know what I mean? Mm. And if they're bidding against each other, it could it could reach it could reach any point. You know what mm. I mean? And he could he could probably name his name his own salary. You know? So mm. so you're wondering at what point at what point do you, do you say, right, you know, you've reached the point, now we're gonna start to listen. I you know, know what I mean? I, I, I would as I said, I would imagine that they would have a figure, wouldn't they? And if he, if he does reach that figure, I'm sure they would sell him. I'm I'm a hundred percent certain because every footballer has as as a price. But for but for me, I think I think he's irreplaceable this season because of where we are, where we are as a team at the moment, what we're trying to bed in, and sort of I think there's no amount of money. That you could bring into the club that could undo the damage of them, of them going. Do you know mm. what I mean? I think it would be it would be catastrophic for the club, really, wouldn't it? At that's this stage of the season, even though Mo is probably for what he is as a player, for what he gives us as a player, I, I just think I, I, surely that there's no. I don't think there should be any price really. John, this, this summer. I think, this... I, think I, I think, as you said before, Tom, and I think we've all agreed on this before, next summer's probably going to be the, yeah. the time for him to go. He, he'll be 31, 32, then whatever he is. Um, but it, it is just, he fits the bill for the Saudis. I mean, I was, I couldn't get my head around that kid from Spain signing that Vega that everyone was supposed to be after. You know, ourselves included, you know, Chelsea United, they all took a look at him. And he's he's like a a twenty-two year old kid or something going to Saudi Arabia. And 
you know, he, he's just gone there for the dollar, as most of, most of the other players have. But one of the clubs, know, they're, they're all they're all coming to the end of their career. When you look at the ones who've gone over to to Saudi, you know, yeah. the you know Mendy and I mean, you know, like Kante and Firmino and people like that, even Hendo and that. They are in the twilight of their career. They've had the best days, but this for this kid to go over to Saudi, it's. Do you know what we were talking about? I was just going to say, you just hold on a sec, Tom. Pete's in Jota there. You know, not our Jota. The Jota Celtic. Right. I think it's the team that's after Salah bought him from Celtic for around 30 million quid uh, Mm. in around about late June, early July. Now they're prepared to let him go on a free transfer already. This is what, remember we were having this conversation at the start of the, the, the earlier on, I think it was when Mike was on with us as well, and he said, "You know what? They'll be they'll be the death of 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 football." And everyone was saying, "No, it's very much like the Chinese league. It's no, like the Chinese crazy. league. This isn't the China. This is this isn't like the Chinese league. These aren't going to go away, are they? No, no, not at all. These are these see." Do you see football as a way of promoting the country and they've got unlimited funds to throw at, as you've just said there, Les, £30 million to throw at a player and then you're prepared to let him go on a free? Who does that? You know, like, what what responsible club does that? And then we've got what what Pete says, up-and-coming young talent. What up-and-young up young Come up and young talent. Can you say something? It is easy for me to say. On the effects. On the effects. On the effects of Cody. But yeah, but, but, but it's just. It's just. It's just insane that he's prepared to give up his career. You yeah, know, yeah. like because in effect, that's what they're doing, aren't they? they because you know, in two or three years, Pete, he's lost that competitive edge from his game. Yeah. I mean, well, there was never well, two, but you're arguing with yourself, though, aren't you, Tom? Because you're saying, in one hand, that these aren't going to go away. So if they're not going to go away, and they're, start, they're starting to sign, you know, some of the better young players as well, you know, he's still the, the league is going to become competitive, isn't it? So, but, yeah, but, it, but where, where are they going to go, Les? He can't go into Europe. He can't go into the Champions League. So who, who, can't, can't they're only going to be competitive in their own. Yeah, but you can have you you know for example, their league could be more competitive. Can say can say the the Scottish League, or it could be more competitive than than the Bundesliga, where or the French League, where where the likes of PSG and Bayern Munich are running away with the league. So so if because if there's more. If there's more teams, sort of, of a good standard and they're playing, you know, against good standard opposition in terms of players, then they're going to improve as players. Whereas part of the problem when you go to PSG is that they have it that easy in the league games and win, you know, can win by playing at 50% of the levels. That when they come in the Champions League and the intensity goes up, they can't cope. So mm. it is going to be interesting to see how it all develops. But once they go, once they go over there and they spend like a couple of years over there on the contracts, a lot of them have got, then they're made for life, aren't they? Money wise, they are anyway. Like most of them, yeah. 
I mean, you look at the Benzema's and the Ronaldo's and and Neymar's. They're getting they're getting like hundred and fifty million a year on top of what they've already earned. And and yep. and all of them could literally just walk away from football tomorrow, and not have a care in the world. So I don't know. I mean, just going back to your last point, don't forget Israel and Australia are in the Eurovision Song Contest. Saudi Arabia yeah. will win the Euro fifty one. I think. I think. I think what will happen though, Pete. The difference is that I actually think the clubs would actually block it. UEFA might be receptive to it because of maybe. Let us say some some pound signs getting pointed their way, but I think I think the big clubs in Europe would just get together and say no yeah, because the cartel, they, they? yeah they they yeah. just they just all group together and say no this is not happening because once you once you open the door and let one in then it'd be oh can we have two and mm. then once those two teams then start to be able to compete in the Champions League then it gives them another lever to get players to go to them, head the teams in Europe. So, so the, and, you know, the chances of European clubs then winning the Champions League is going to be diminished by some of the Saudi clubs. So I, I think while it might be a desire from the Saudi clubs to go into the Champions League and maybe UEFA being receptive to it because of maybe some, let's say, uh, financial persuasion, um, then I just think the clubs will get together and say no. But one thing I do think will will happen the next the the the, the big as well as Mo and I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think as well as Mo going at the end of this current season, I think you should, could see Pep Guardiola going over there. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, well, he follows. He follows the money wherever he's managed. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I mean. And he'll go to one of the PIF clubs and manage them over there, and and sort of, you know, earn his, you know, you know, get his bank balance even heftier by going over there. Do, do you know what, Les? Can, can I just say something? Well, yeah. Do you know what made me think? Uh, what I said, I said something on Twitter to someone today. It's it. It looks a bit suspicious, and I was in the blue that Liverpool. Are playing Newcastle, the Saudi Arabian yeah. old club, and um, at mm. at you know like four o'clock or three o'clock on the Thursday, just as as the build up to the game is is is, yeah. is taking place, um, it leaks out that that most that they're interested in Mo Salah. Put it puts a distraction on Liverpool, puts all kinds of pressure on Liverpool before they turn up to play the Saudi Arabians. I yeah. wonder if it's, there's a little bit of a coincidence in that. You know thing, I it always it, used to happen with the papers, didn't it? Like, yeah. prior to a game on Saturday, even going back years ago, and suddenly, like, you'd be going away on the train on the Saturday, so you'd all buy a paper each. And suddenly there's all these headlines that, you know, one of your star players is being caught. And it's it's just <laughs> there as a disruption tactic. But, yeah. You other to think it's done, Pete, as well. Thinking about it, it's also put pressure on Mo, hasn't it? Because yeah. all Liverpool supporters, especially, will have have their eyes on it, on his performance on Sunday, and if he has, if he doesn't have it, let's say he doesn't have the best of games, right? Yeah. Or and he and say, let's say then, yo know, Jurgen brings him off and he doesn't look happy again like he did against <laughs> Chelsea, yeah. against Chelsea. Then Liverpool supporters will be saying, look, 
Mo's not happy. He wants to go. Didn't give didn't give two hoots today. Where that could be, you know, couldn't be further from the truth. You know, Mo Mo Salah will always try and give his best, but that's the that's the pressure now that they're putting on him. And not only that, but the eyes of the media will be on him as well. And it'll be, you know, if Salah sort of plays his best and scores hat trick, you know, then all in the world of Mo is happy. If Mo doesn't play at his best and you know, you know, gets taken off or what have you, and he shows a little bit of, you know, petulance, let us say, then it'll be Mo shows his unhappiness as he as he looks set to leave Liverpool. So as you say, there's conspiracy theories there about the the timing of it with the you know with the game against Newcastle coming up on you know on Sunday. So there's eyes there's eyes on everything, isn't it? I'm sure it'll be a topic of conversation with with Jürgen in the morning, you know, when he does his press conference. So that'll be something to to listen out to. Just uh, I think, I think the, the worry may you know even at this stage is that he, he's he's been over his career as Mane as I said before. He's quite altruistic. He 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 doesn't just put every penny that he earns into his own ass pockets. He he generates a lot of good back home as, as Sadio does. And that might be the only thing that he can just look at it and think it's a good cash cow. But, you know, I'll have a few hospitals named after me. And it's not for his name, but it's what he can give back to his own people. And that's the only worry for me. It could come a time that um, he looks at it and thinks, well, if they're going to throw that much money at me, what can I do, you know? But at the end of the day, it's down to Liverpool. Liverpool can play hardball, which they should do, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm always, I'm always for playing hardball, Pete. But at the end of the day, and we've seen it, we've seen it ourselves, and you've seen it with, with players from from other clubs as well. Is when you turn round and say, no, you know, you're not, you're not going. We're not selling you, right? Then that can lead, that can instead of that being a positive and the player being back to his best. It can then lead to go the other way, where the player feels that he doesn't really want to be there, and he, you know, mm. Virgil, for example, you know, as a good example, when he was at Southampton, you know, and that that the initial bid from Liverpool when, when you know, base over Apex, and um, he was made to stay there for that first half of the season. He was a shadow mm. of the player, you know mm. what I mean? Because he was he was stopped having his, you know, going to where he really wanted to be. Yeah. And I, I would hate that to happen with Mo because he would he would ruin his legacy and I, I don't want that. But the other thing I thought of when I when I heard that today, I think the last on, on Saturday when Mo scored from the from the rebound on the penalty he missed, and I don't care whether there's a you know, the Saudis are in for him or not, he still shouldn't take a penalty if we get one on Sunday because he plays for Liverpool. So I'm still st- I'm still sticking my ground on that one, right? That he he went ahead. He's he's now fifth, I think, in the all-time Liverpool goal scoring list. Now, looking at it realistically, if Mo wants to go above Billy Little, he probably have to have to have to stay for another two complete seasons at least to mm. get to that next level. And you know you know what Mo's like. He's all about. He knows a lot about the. The records, and I just wonder whether he sort of looked at that and thought, "Right, I've got where I wanted to be now. I don't think I'm going to get any higher. I'm certainly not going to 
you'll get past the likes of Ian Rush. Um, so, you know, I, I've I've gone as high as I can now in the in the goal scoring charts, and you know that could be another thing that's that sort of playing you know maybe a part in his in his thinking at the minute. None of us know, but as I say, I don't. I really don't think we've heard the we've heard the last of this. Um, to no. be honest, and you know, I just hope that. I mean, what I would say is that if it, if it if there is any hint that it's going to happen, it's got to happen quickly, and Liverpool have got to be moving quickly to try and get replacements in, so that or a replacement in, clearly identified, price identified, so that player comes in, and we know where we're working with regard to is no dilly and dallying like they've done over the. Over the replacement for for Hendo and Fab, you know what I mean. This has got to be, this has got to be quick and smart and right in there. So, but let us see. So we'll just move on and go to you, Pete. First on this one, we're round about just a week. A week tomorrow at eleven p.m. The transfer window slams shut. Mm-hmm. What business we've to, apart from Mo? Do you think there might be any more possible outgoings? And do you think there will be um, any more incomings? And if so, how many and what positions? That's a good question, Les. Uh, outgoings, outgoings. I mean, there's been talk for a while of uh, Nat Phillips, hasn't it? Nat Phillips yeah. moving on, and that doesn't ever seem to get beyond the, you know, the... The early stage, oh yeah, you know he's he's up for sale, blah blah. Can you just come in with, with regarding that Phillips? There? I think part of the problem we've got at the minute is he's still injured. He hasn't resumed yeah. trading yet in pre-season. Yeah, but that has stopped Everton buying Harris. Well, getting Harris on loan. We got with Yakubana when he was on crutches. So yes, yeah. you know it can happen, and I, I don't want the lad to go. I think I think in that season when we struggled, him and him and Williams came in and were admirable at the back. Um, but you know, there's, there's there's the likes of that. Whether any more go out and loan a couple of the kids. I mean, personally, I'd like to see Ben Dokes stay with the first team set up uh, and come on. You know, and and referring to Mo again, he you know imagine Ben Dokes for a season in the first team squad with ben, with Mo as his tutor. You know, um, I don't know. As I said, I mean, I said I think it was a couple of couple of programmes ago, I think it could be something totally left field. And that's what happened with Endo. You know, everyone was taught and obviously we missed out on on um those two lads who went to Chelsea. And then there were no other names really that were ever, you know, that there's always this thing with Kone and there's always this thing with Taram which doesn't seem to take off. And then from nowhere we just get this this kid from um I say kid, but this fella from from the Bundesliga. Um I think the Will be things done, but I just hope it doesn't go to the last day of the transfer window, and we end up in the scenario where we we got Arthur Mello, and and that's no disrespect to him, but it just never happened for the lad, you know. Um, so I think there will be comings and goings. Whether whether Liverpool send some out on loan for a bit of experience, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's just it's you just don't know what's going on in the background, to be honest. Um. Sorry, Tom. What would you expect? 
I, I think I think Tyler Morton might go less. You know, on loan. Yeah. I think I I I I'd be surprised if they let Nat Phillips go, especially now as well. With if if we don't get a centre half in, I, I think he might they might just keep Nat Phillips. I don't know how long he's got left on his contract. Has he got a year? Is it less? No, I think he's got. I still he's still got three years to go. So. Well, he'd be worth he'd be worth keeping it if you're not going to bring the centre half in. I still think there might be one more midfielder coming in. Um, I think again, it's the the talk about Andre. I had this conversation with you, didn't I, with me with last night about about what they're all saying. And so funny, a couple of people, John, who, who listens to the podcast, sent me a message about him saying. Um, he played the first leg, I think, this it's either this weekend, isn't it? The first no, leg. It's it, it's the early hours this well. The tonight. early hours this yeah, going into the tomorrow. So when we get up tomorrow, we know what, what the first result is. But but I, I was thinking with, with the likes of of Andre, rather than messing around and waiting for the second leg to take place, I, I don't know if Liverpool want this point. And he seems to fit the bill in all that all all the in what he what the needs are. I think he's price wise. It's it's a good price. I I don't know why Liverpool don't just sort of set the deal up now in place, and you know sort of set up a, a medical just in case they go out early, and then if they go through, sort of all back on it. But like till January and complete the deal in January and then we can wait for the two or three months you've got the player that you want you've got him at the price that he is but rather than just messing about and then trying to buy somebody at the last minute panicking and bringing anybody in you know somebody that we and how many times have we done that you know Quebec Ben, ben, ben Davis, Arthur Mello, you know, Balotelli. You know, we, we, we've done it lots and lots of times and just caught up at the last that last minute and you, you end up having to get someone that you don't really want. So I'd rather Liverpool done that with, with, with Andre if they were going to get him. Just, mm-hmm. just talk about grabbing bats, but it's been the talk of the whole summer, hasn't it? So I think... Mm-hmm. If that was going to happen, I think that would have happened by now, the same as what Peter said with Kone and, Sir, and Saran. I don't know, Tom. I think the difference with Gravenbach is is that Bayern Munich have been sort of trying to decide what they want to do with him, whether they want to keep him, whether they want to let him go. And I've got a feeling that, that um, and again, there was reports from Germany today, that late this afternoon, the two could now agreed that he could leave. Um, I think that last weekend, Bayern, Bayern played and there was only him and Pavard, I think, who didn't get on the field in, yeah. in the game that they played. So he, he seems to be totally out of favour with Tuchel. And I think that when, when JP sort of did a piece, I think it was maybe Monday, Tuesday this week, saying that Liverpool aren't, aren't looking for a, just a, a normal sort of number six stroke DM anymore. They're looking for a more all-round sort of utility midfield player. He was the one who immediately come to mind because 
he can play as a six, although he hasn't done so for a while. But but that doesn't stop Liverpool sort of moulding players into a position where they think they, you know, they could do a job, so to speak. What so, seen of him, Pete? He, he, uh, he hasn't impressed, you know. I watched him in the I mean, in, in, in the under under twenty ones. He really, he, he, you know, like he never set the world on fire. You know, when when you when no. you're looking and you're thinking, well, is I he going to? Yeah, I just I think. But I just wonder as well whether the other the other thing I'm worrying about as well, whether this injury to Curtis Jones is worse than the letting on. Because, you know, last last week we were told, oh, it's just a kick on the ankle, a twisted ankle. He should be back in training early next week and available for the trip to Newcastle. Now, the trip to Newcastle is coming up and there's still no sign of Curtis Jones resuming training. And we've had this with Curtis Jones before, where he's only expected to be out a couple of weeks and he's been out for months. And the situation we're in with our, with our midfielders is that, you know, you take the you take the, the the three new lads out of the equation, and you know Harvey Elliott. To be fair to him, had a good injury record last season. You know, touch wood, he was available for for all the games, and he wasn't out at all with any muscular injuries. But then you've got Curtis, you've got Stefan, and you've got Thiago, who you know who were all you know Stefan's still growing, and you know and. You don't want him to be overplayed and and sort of you know stunt his development in many ways. And you know Tiago's Tiago. You're always expecting him to get injured when we when we least expect him to. And Curtis is another one. So we definitely need another midfield body coming in. And that's why I think it's going to be more like a a, a sort of grab and batch type of player. I definitely think me. That they'll bring somebody in. I mean, Gravenbach, he was highly thought of when he was at Ajax, but he seems to have stalled a little bit now that he's at Bayern Munich. But because you don't do well at one club doesn't mean you're not going to do well at another club. I mean, I always go back to to Avia Mascherano when I was doing the the phoning with Alan Jackson one Monday night when news was breaking that, that Liverpool was signing Mascherano and somebody rung in and said, I don't know why we're signing this Mascherano kid because he can't get in the West Ham team ahead of Aiden Mullins. But Mascherano was always a, a class act, you know what I mean? So it is it is an interesting one. But that's me. If if you give me a five of your money, Tom, that's where I'd put it on the um, on, on a Ryan Gravenbach type signing. I don't know what you think he's Yeah, I mean in fairness, I haven't seen enough of him, but that's the only worry for me. Like I say, he... He seems to be doing well at Ajax, and then he's he's faltered now at Munich. Um, I don't know the other lads in fairness, the Tarams and the Conies, but the, I mean anyone can watch um anyone can watch a little bit of YouTube and look like a world beater on that. So, you know, but I, I don't know. But you you would hope that behind the scenes they're working hard to to put the numbers up. Certainly, um, like you say. You've got Stefan and you've got Thiago, but you don't want to. I think it's probably Stefan got injured because he was overplayed. Possibly, it was one of the factors. Um, and with Thiago, you know, you're always worried that he might pull up. So yeah, probably another face does need to come in on that score. Um, 
there's talk of other centre backs whose names I've never heard of, and as I say, it could well be something left field again. It would just wake up one morning and suddenly another endo has appeared. You know, literally someone that we've never heard of in all this transfer talk. And I think sometimes Liverpool enjoy all this, uh, all the names getting bandied about because it's probably smoke screens for other stuff that's going on behind the scenes. You know. Yeah, Do you, I mean, I'd I'd like another another centre back to come in as well, but we are we are a bit sort of hamstrung with this homegrown rule, um, mm. and that's where sort of Gravenbach are helping that in terms of the Premier League, because for that he'd be counted as as homegrown, but not for not for Is Europe. That because of his age, so, Is sorry, that because of his age? yeah, because he's, he's under twenty two. Yeah. So, but with, see, the difference is you see. You, if you're under twenty two, you're classed as homegrown from the day from the day you sign for the for the Premier League club, so to speak, right? But with Europe, you have to have like a two year sort of bedding in period, if you want to call it that, or qualifying period, which mm-hmm. is why which is why for Europe this season, Ben Doak is classed as a non homegrown player because he's only been with us a year, even though he's only just eighteen. We have to name Ben Doak as one of our 17 non-homegrown players if we want him to play in Europe. Whereas mm-hmm. in the in the Premier League, he's just classed as being homegrown. So that's the that's the sort of discrepancy between the two competitions. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I'd like I'd like to uh, you know to bring in another centre back. And going on from what you know Tom was saying before, there's rumours that Kwanzaa, uh, Luke Chambers, Bobby Clark. Yo, could all go? Could all go out on loan? And Tyler Morton before the window closes. Now, for me, you you can't let all them go out on loan if you haven't signed replacements, especially if not Phillips are sold as well, because you're losing all your best backups as well. So, if you let those four players go out on loan, then and you do have an injury crisis, then you're letting all your your emergency players go as well. So they need to be really careful about who they sanction loans for and who they don't, depending on what they do in the transfer market between now and 11pm next Friday. I believe I was talking to a guy at the match on uh, Saturday who lives up Preston Way and he was telling me Calvin Ramsey's injured again up there. Yeah, he's out for six weeks, isn't he? I don't know what he's done. But, I mean... The interesting ones for me are Luke Chambers and and uh, Kwanzaa because they're the two they're the two best um, backup players who could play centre back that we've got. If you see yes. what I mean after them, um, after the main the main four, if you then had an injury crisis and that and that's the other thing. Yet we can play we can play Endo can play at centre back, but again it's it's a little bit of a worry. Although he's really got a good spring. You know what I mean? His height would be a worry if you if he had to play centre back for an extended period of time in the Premier League. Um, so and we've still got the you know we've still got the other issues because Conor Bradley's still you know out injured. So it is going to be an interesting seven days. But I'm still as we speak now on on the Thursday night around about eight fifteen pm. I'm um, I'm fairly confident that there will be at least one new face that will come into the club and that will be a midfield player. Um, any more than that for me 
would be a uh, would be a bonus. So moving on from the big discussion points from the late flag podcast, and I'll start with you, Pete, because it was you who who sort of alerted me to the news when I was in the waiting room at the vets with the dogs waiting to get the boosters. Was that um the red card for Alexis Macha being yeah. rescinded? So common sense seems to have prevailed. It does on this occasion, and I'll be honest, I was totally surprised because it's the type of thing that you know that they sort of close ranks, don't they? And I know, I know there was a couple. I mean, I watched LFC TV a rerun of the game. I caught the end of it actually, but I was listening to the aftermatch analysis, Gary Gillespie and Phil Thompson, and they said you can see why it's a red. They were quite adamant and they sort of thought it was a red, and um, so. I thought, well, if they're saying that, you know, the, the referees are going to be backed up. I just can't understand why VAR didn't get involved. It's it, it just beyond belief. But I, I, when, when I saw the headline, I thought first it was a jog one. I thought someone was messing about, you know, um, to say that Mac, you know, he's, 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 he's all right to play. And then obviously it came, it came up on the more credible uh, news, you know, news beats, if you want. Um, yeah, so it's nice to see the common sense did prevail. I must admit, real time, I I sit down towards the Annie Road in the main stand, so I was a little bit away from it. But I just thought it was two two players genuinely attempting to go for the ball, and the the uh, the Bournemouth lad got there just a little bit quicker. I don't think there was any intent from either party, and I think really common sense should have prevailed on the pitch. And I think if we'd have got a yellow card, we'd have all been okay with that, you know. But to, to brandish a red, it was quite a shock at the time. And then the more you looked at it, the problem is they slow it down and they slow it down. And then any tackle looks a bad tackle when it's, it's it, you know, slowed down like that. But, um, yeah. yeah, so I was pleasantly surprised. Um, let's see. Let's see what this weekend brings. I mean, there was a few contentious decisions last weekend on, on other games, you know. Um I mean, they highlighted the penalty that we got. The Sabochlai went down a little bit easily, but there was that old, that old chestnut. Well, there was contact, and he's going to go down. So swings and roundabouts, I suppose. But um, yeah, it, it was glad to see that he, uh, he he didn't have to serve any ban. Yeah. Tom, just got some breaking news for you to react to, and this oh. is if this is again, this is it. Just ties in with the subject that we're talking about, actually. And Pete, you can come back on this in a second as well. It's an article that Mike Dean has wrote. I'm just going to read you the headline and I'm going to read you the piece from it. Mike Dean, I, I, I can't, um, what, what does he say? Mike Dean, Anthony Taylor is a mate of mine. I couldn't send him to do a VAR review. And then it says, I missed, I missed the stupid hair pull at Chelsea versus Tottenham, which was pathetic from my point of view. Dean told um, Simon Jordan, it's one of them where if we had my time again, what would I do? I'd send Anthony Taylor to the screen. I think I knew if I did send him to the screen, he'd caution both managers. He had to hell of a game. It's been such a tough game end to end. I said to Anthony afterwards, I just didn't want to send you to the screen after what, what had gone on in the game. I didn't want to send him up because he is a mate as well as a referee. And I think it didn't want to send him up because it didn't want any more grief than he already had. So 
that is just absolutely pathetic as far as I'm concerned. It's 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 it, it's you're not surprised, are you? Really, double as that. Nothing shocks me about about the way that they run or but the way they, they speak to me. You know what? I think until the day, until the day, you hear them talking, and yeah. you know, like to 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 VAR and VAR talking to them. Until that's it, then all this is always going to go on, isn't it? Because it's private. Whatever's said, Do you know, like I I I wasn't surprised to be honest. I, when Garth Crook, when Garth Crooks come out and said the other day that it was one of the worst decisions he's ever seen, and <laughs> that it is rescinded. Then I said, I said to How you, how long did like, he take to say that, Tom? I said that. I said that to you. I said, when he comes out and says that, you know that that we, we've been dealt a bad deal. You know, so mm. I, I I always felt it would get overturned. My only concern was that it was it was the other clown. It was it was um, it was, it was who who's made the decision, and it'd be a lot for him to admit that he'd made it. Didn't have to a, admit it. It was an independent you know, panel. So you, you look at it and you, and you see he's made a mistake. Yeah, you know. You know and, and the other thing is, Tom. You know, since the announcement, the um, you know, the PGMOL have not made. One iota of a comment, not an apology, not not oh we can understand why you know the independent panel have done what they did, you know um because I I just think that um Paul Taney has left poor Tom Bramall out to dry on this. He He's did, yeah. yeah. Mm. I thought that kid had, I said that to you last week. Answer Peter. I thought that lad had a good game overall, you know. I thought, but he's for a novice referee or an inexperienced Premier League referee. I thought he'd come in and done well. He, I think, as I said at the time, I, I do believe that he he panicked when he seen the player rolling all over the pitch, mm. and he bought he bought the the hysterics from from Clark. And I think from that point of view, he made a mistake, but he learned from that. But overall, yeah. I thought he had a good game. And I'm sure that had he said to him, go and have a look at that again, he'd have put that right. Do yeah. you know what I mean? But they didn't well, do he, that. They backed him up, didn't he? Yeah. Know? I mean, he, he, took a step back from, he took a step back from it. And then he saw what Christie was doing, as if he'd had his leg bloody. Yeah, that's Christie and then Pete, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's like you say. He saw this lad riding round on the floor. And that's why, I mean... Not necessarily the same, but I remember Joe Cole's debut against Arsenal, and he yeah. got sent off. He done that for the, for the same, didn't he? Yeah, and the yeah. Arsenal yeah. Sent off. He's rolling round, and then ten minutes later, he's running out for the second half. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, they, they, it should have been looked at. I mean, we've got all the tools there. I, I, I'm a, I'm a VAR. I, I think we should have VAR. It's it's the people running it who need the training. But, you know, but going by what I just read to Tom from Mike Dean. Mike Dean's just admitted there that he actually seen an incident that should have been a penalty, and mm. yet he didn't get he didn't get asked the ask the referee who was on the field who missed it to go to the screen to look really? at it because yeah. he's his mate. So so it doesn't approve what we've what we've all been saying for a while that that there has to be there has to be an independent group there because yeah. when you're it's just like us, isn't it? 
me and Tom being in VAR, you being there, I can say, nah, we can't last Peter go over and that is our mate. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't even look stupid. You know yeah. what I mean? And 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 then and then it's uh, you know it, it it's another it's another one from the dusty booth of, book of excuses that comes out. I'm not saying it works hundred percent on the continent, but games I've seen in the likes of the Italian league, the French league, Bundesliga, anything like that is is just done immediately. They either say yes. to the ref or they're obviously mic'd up and then play goes on. But for such a decision like that to put, you know, a team down to 10 men and thankfully it didn't make any difference to the results. If we'd only drawn that game or even worse, lost it. And mm. then at the red card rescinded, it would have been a double bubble, wouldn't it? it would have been yeah. a strike. But don't, don't you think maybe that the, that the other leagues you've mentioned, maybe the referees out there aren't like the Masons? You know what I mean? Yeah, and, that's what I'm saying. They and, seem to do it right, don't they? Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so anyway, so we were all we were all happy with that uh, announcement and good on the independent panel. Whoever was on that panel, I salute you. Now we we go on to look at the the game on on Sunday, which will be, I think, a difficult game. They had a really good win against a, a decent Aston Villa side in their first game of the season. Um, then lost to Manchester City. So, you know, if Liverpool could go there and get a win, you know, on Sunday, I think that would, could really set us up for the for the rest of the season, especially then if we do some business in the in the final week of the transfer window. So, mm-hmm. I'll start with you on this one, Tom. What, what are you expecting in terms of team-wise now that Alexis is, is now free from suspension? Obviously, you'd expect him to start. Would you expect Hendo to start as a proper six, and then you're choosing them between possibly Gakpo, Jota, and Nunes for the for the nine. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd, I'll be. I think I would do that if he's had a good week training, Les, and he and he's we he, he see him up for the job. We don't know how, how Stefan's done this week, do we? He might. No. He might see. He might even throw Stefan in for for the game, but. You know, I, I would expect one of them to to play in, in the sixth role, and um, I would expect. I'm hoping that we push Sabazlai and, and and McAllister, Alexis McAllister together in the natural positions. We, I'd, I think we'll go with, I think we'll go with 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 Gapko as as the as the, the you know like the, the false nine. And I think we'll we'll go with Diaz. I think we'll we'll start with Diaz and we'll start with 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 Mo. I think he'll leave out uh, Jota and I think he'll leave out um, Nunes. I'm beginning to worry about Nunes because he's he, he's not getting a look in at all, is he? It's only you been know? two games, Tom. I know, but even so, even so, less it was it was it was Nunes, didn't he? He had a decent well, season. It was towards the end of the season. He was the same, wasn't he? He was the he was the man, the odd man out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure he'll get his games as the season goes on, and you know, and then it's up to him when he does get the start to to sort of say, right, you know, you're not getting the shape back off me, so to speak. So, what do you reckon, Pete, for for the the starting eleven? Just do you agree with the with the assessment there, Hendo, possibly Stefan as the six? Alexis and Osbo as eight, and then who would you go for as your nine? I'd probably have Gakpo. I like Gakpo in that role, to be honest. Um, 
I don't know. I, I thought last week, I, I said I thought he might have started Nunes against Bournemouth. And he gave him, what was it, 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the most with the injury time. And he put a bit of a shift in. But I did notice at the end of the game, he, he went straight off. He, he, he spat his dummy out a bit. Uh, and as I say, he'd had a half-decent pre-season as well. Um, but whether... I don't know. You, you just don't know. We don't see them in training every day and we don't we don't see the personalities and that. But I'd like I'd like Endo to start maybe maybe in front of Steph and not, if only for the reason that he has been out for so long. Because I did feel a bit sorry for McAllister in the first two games because he he was playing in that number six and it was sort of hindering him. But it'd be nice for a proper number six to come in like Endo and release McAllister further up the field. With Saboslai, I mean Saboslai was brilliant against Bournemouth. He played some of the football he played, and and that run towards the end where he ran up the right wing and got to the byline, and that's the energy he showed. Um, so it's it's the front three again. Who do you go with at the front three? Obviously Mo's going to get a start. Diaz has scored in both games, so you think he's going to get a start. Um, but it'll be interesting. I mean, I think it'll be a difficult game, like yourself. You know the they whip the whip the atmosphere up now there, they give the plastic flags out and they, they start the singing and stuff. And it's a good you know, if, if you let them get ahead of steam, they're a difficult team to beat. But we went up there last year and we quietened them down and then we scored two goals. And admittedly it was a week or two before their cup final, so they probably weren't gonna bust the guts. But um I think I think it's definitely winnable, but we've got to be on our metal to be honest, to get something out of it on Sunday. Yeah, I, I agree actually. I think the I think it'll be um, Endo starting as the six with McAllister and Sosbo as the two eights. Mo and Diaz in the two wider positions. I think Gapko will get the nod as the yeah. false nine with the normal back four. Um, and hopefully we'll have, you know, a decent bench to be able to, you know, to change it should we need to. I won't go do your predictions now because I'm going to go back over to Pete for his double agents, and he can tell us the answer to the to the little bit of a trivia that posted at the start. How many is it, Pete, that have played for Liverpool and Newcastle that have Champions League, Stroke European Cup, winning yeah, medal? We decided on seven, didn't we? Yeah, I think we decided on seven, but I think overall it's been about 32, 33 players who've played for both teams. Uh, some of them go In the seven, then, Pete. So the... Uh, yeah. Name the okay. seven you've got the European Cup Stroke Champions League medals then. Right. You've got me on a thingy now. So Obviously Keegan. Yeah. Keegan. Barney. Yeah. And Terry Mack. Right. James Milner. Four. Rushy. Five. Um Jeannie Wijnaldum. Six. And did we include was Diddy a man in that? Oh, did you forgot Diddy? Diddy a man, yeah. Seven. And Kevin Keegan as well. And Keegan, so does eight. Yeah. Did I say seven? Eight. Eight. Yeah. Eight. And yeah. I, I, was, I was trying to pick a one to 11 because there's been so many great players play for both teams. I mean, the goalkeeper, we could have Loris Carriers if we wanted, or Mike Hooper. Um. And then fullbacks, we've got Jose Enrique, we've got Barry Venison, obviously Barney, and we've got a great, we've got some great picks in midfield with Terry Mack, uh, John Barnes, if you want to class him as midfield, or 
whatever, Craig Bellamy up top. There's loads of people to choose, but there hasn't been a, a sort of a gloss of centre-halves where I could have picked a 1-11. to 11. I'd have had to put someone in centre-half. I'd have put Beardsley as centre-half just for the laugh, I think. <laughs> but, um, we, haven't, we haven't really had both teams, unless some of the real old boys going back to the 1800s, and I don't remember them. But there is a name from the past who's, who's a folklore with Liverpool who's played for both teams, and that's Albert Stubbins. And I know some of our more older listeners and, and you know, grandparents of people that used to see Albert Stubbins and, and said what a wonderful player he was. Mm. So, yeah, so all in all, I think I think the players that we've have both played for Liverpool and Newcastle, in all fairness, have had better days at Anfield. When you look at the Genies and the James Milners, obviously we'd had the best of Ian Rush and John Barnes and, and Michael Owen to that extent before they ended up at Newcastle. And I think Terry Mack had two stints at Newcastle. We bought him from Newcastle and then towards the end of his days at Liverpool, he, he went back up there and he became a coach with Kevin Keegan as well. So yeah. there's some great players who've played for both sides there. Yeah, it's not big Andy Carroll. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was £35 million centre forward. What's that, and, and obviously Kenny managed both clubs, didn't he? Yeah. 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 And another name I didn't realise had played for Newcastle or gone at some stage was Howie Gale. Howie Gale yeah, had I a stint. I don't I know. I know yeah. I know Paul, Paul Dalgleish also played for Newcastle, but he never yeah. actually made there. A competitive appearance for Liverpool's first team, did he? But he did play a number of games for Newcastle's uh, first team when when Kenny was manager. Yeah. So did that yeah. Gale win a European Cup medal? Yeah, he was on the bench in eighty one. Yeah. There's another one. There's nine. Yeah. So we've got yeah. nine. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've also you've also got a couple who've got runners up medals. Then haven't you? In Craig Bellamy and. Um, Adios. And Carius. Yeah. yeah. So, so as I say, yeah. there's... That's what I mean. There's, you know, apart from the centre-half position, you could make a crack in 11. As yeah. the players who play for both teams, yeah. Yeah. We'd have to play with those centre-halves, don't we? Especially if we did one four. I'll tell you what, that said, that said, some of the score lines we've had against Newcastle probably yeah. would be better off playing with play those centre-halves. Yeah. Yeah, so, here we go then. Talking the scores, Tom. Your first up, what's your prediction? 2-1 to Liverpool. Positive for Tom. Pete, what are you going for? I'm going for me, me normal favourite. I should have said it last week. And I went for 2-0, but I'm going to go for 3-1 Liverpool. I think it's going to be a cracking game, to be honest. I really do. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit on the fence on this one and go for a 2-2 draw. I just think Newcastle look good. Um, but they also, with our attack, I always feel as though we can score. Um, so, yeah, I hope I hope you two are right and, and I'm wrong this week. So I'm going for a 2-2 draw. And on that note, we end the latest edition of the LFC Red Poet podcast. Once again, thanks to everybody for listening. Don't buy the sun. Justice for the 97. You'll never walk alone. And see you all next time.